When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hi, I'm Tia. The upstairs-downstairs neighbor dynamic is so special. We have our own language. Like when I scream at my mom on the phone, the people downstairs bang on the ceiling to show their support. The nighttime's the best time to rearrange furniture. I call it midnight feng shui. And if I sleep through my alarm in the morning, they bang on my door to wake me. So thoughtful. Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor, but we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's and Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! That's right, this is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago. And with me, as frequently, I can't say as always anymore, is the one, the only, the recently minted 40-year-old Jay Zawaski of 670 The Score. Jay, how was your birthday? How was the show? How was, above all else, not having to deal with me last night? Hey, you did an awesome job. I heard it on the way home from the national concert, which was the end of... Actually, it was not the end. It was the second-to-last awesome thing that happened to me yesterday. So, first I woke up and I wasn't dead. That's one for one. Always a good thing. Uh, Number two... Yeah, number two, good day at work. Um, Devin Hester retired. I called him and got him on the air. That's great. Uh, number three, uh, Danny Parkins for my birthday called up my favorite singer, Lydia Lovelace, and had her come on and talk to me on my birthday. That was amazing because I don't know if I discussed that on this podcast that I had the chance to meet her and just completely like pussed out. She was right next to me uh, for like 10, 15 minutes, and I just never said anything because I didn't know what to say. Well, they gave me the opportunity to you make up for that. You definitely told me that story. I don't know if it was on the podcast, but I have definitely heard that story. Yeah, so I, I was able to redeem myself, and I only embarrassed myself a little bit. Then I saw the National. That was great. Then I got home, and my cousin Carolyn had a baby the day I was So we share a birthday with a brand-new little cousin, Avery. So uh, it was a really good day yesterday. Today, 
My knee is extremely <laughs> swollen, and I don't know why. Happy 40. Now your body's just going to fall apart. <laughs> right. Things are just going to fall off randomly. Mm-hmm. It's all over. Well, you took in the exciting Blackhawks win last night. As everyone knows, I was not there. I did watch the extended highlights. So that was exciting. Um, you know, and they're moving along. And I, I think I've seen a lot of things today, and I'm sure you've seen them too. Like, yeah, it's great they're winning these games, but they're not beating anyone good. And that's true. But there's one thing about it that's a little bit encouraging is we're seeing Jonathan Tave score. We're seeing Brandon Saad score. Patrick Kane is scoring. The guys that matter, the guys that you need goals from for this team to be any good, they've been coming through lately. And whether that's against good teams or bad teams, it doesn't matter. Jonathan Taves especially is putting the puck in the back of the net again. And to me, that's a good sign regardless of opponent. I, I completely agree with you. It's uh, something that I made sure to hit on last night. I thought it was probably the best we've seen the Blackhawks' first-line play really all season long. I know Brandon Saad had a hat trick opening night, and there were all sorts of other little moments for him and the other guys on that line. But just like as a unit, as a group, I felt like the top line last night looked absolutely fantastic. And I was so blown away by what I saw from Alex DeBrincat in in terms of being able to kind of open space up on the ice. Love what I saw from Brandon Saad being able to play the two-way game that we know he's capable of playing. And then Jonathan Taves showing a nose for getting puck on net. That was really cool to see because all too often this season, we've seen guys on this team kind of pass up shots and not really have the kind of killer instinct. Jonathan Taves had some killer instinct last night, and he looked like he was a man on a mission. And it was wonderful to see. I talked about it effusively for several minutes of last night's postgame show. I was just really impressed with that first line all night long, even during the times of the game where it seemed like the team kind of slowed down a little bit. That group just stood out the entire time, and it was really fantastic to see. Well, we talked during one of our recent postgame shows about Alex Dabrinkit and the value of Alex Dabrinkit. And at this point, where he stands on the Hawks roster as important, or if you're going to go power rankings of Blackhawks, if we're just looking at today, you know, not looking two, three years down the road, just looking at today, where does Brandon, where does, I'm sorry, where does Alex Dabrinkit fall on the Hawks roster? And aside from Taves, aside from Kane, aside from Crawford, and aside from Saad, he's right there. That's so that's your fifth best player, including Corey Crawford. Yeah, it's pretty. That's a pretty elite company when you consider some of the guys who have been on this team for the you know as long as they have been. We got to put Duncan Keith in there too. So I guess you would say he'd be the sixth best player, uh, and he's 19 years old. He's a rookie, straight out of juniors, and he has become in this short of a time one of the key players and one of the best players on a team that's loaded with some really good players. Yeah, they're not as stacked as they used to be, but this is a team still loaded with all-star type players. And uh, for Alex Dabrinkit to come in this smoothly this early and sort of force Joel Quenville's hand saying, look, you got to put me on the top line. You don't really have any options left. I've earned it. I've done everything you've asked. I've been reliable at both ends of the ice. I'm one of the few guys scoring consistently. Give me that opportunity that I've earned, and he's done it, and it's paid off. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. And like you said, the first month of the season, it really seemed like it was Alex DeBrincat kind of proving himself. You know, it was, uh, I can play both ends of the ice really well. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm just, I'm trying so hard to fight off a cold right now. So if I have to clear my throat occasionally, I apologize to everybody. But um, 
Alex DeBrincat has he basically spent the first month of the season trying to prove that he could play on the defensive side of the ice because he knew he knew that was the way you get into Joel Quenville's good graces is to show him that you're willing to do the little things right on defense to really create offense going the other direction. Spent the entire first month of the season kind of proving that out. Then as November rolled around, he started to kind of embrace his role as the scorer. You saw him score 10 goals, most of any Blackhawks rookie in a month in history. Vaulted himself right into what I consider to be Calder Trophy contention. I really do think that he's, at this point in the season, I'd probably consider him to be at least a finalist for the award you know possibly a winner it depends on how you view guys like Clayton Keller and guys like that but I definitely think that DeVrinkit is one of the top rookies in the entire NHL and we've seen it over the last month and a half or so he's just become so much more assertive on offense and he's really cemented his role as a playmaker and as a space opener and all those things that the Blackhawks have desperately needed on offense And we're starting to see the results of it. I know it's been against subpar competition the last few games. But the reality is, Alex DeBrincat has looked good against a lot of good teams, too. This isn't just a product of playing kind of crappy teams. This is the culmination, almost, of like this very quick, very speedy process. And he's scoring goals, he's getting assists, and he just looks like he has the potential to be a really, really good player in this league for a very long time. And all kudos to Stan Bowman for drafting him and all kudos to Joe Quenville for very quickly recognizing that he needed that kind of talent on the top line and for getting him there. Well, and as excited as I was and you were about Alex Debrinkett joining the team this year, I don't know if either of us considered him to be like a legitimate, um, you know, Calder contender. You know, we thought, well, maybe he'll have a good year. Maybe he'll make some noise, score some goals. He's only 19, though, and he's, he's you know, three feet tall. So the odds of him really being, uh, you know, great right away are pretty slim. He's come out and shattered my really high expectations. Um, and that's kind of been the most encouraging thing was, look, we all knew he, he was going to be able to score. Like, there was no doubt about that. That was never in question. But when you see a guy who is, you know, putting out – putting together like we've said for a long time now the total package the whole thing like he has been tremendous on all ends of the ice and it was almost the offense that came last and uh he's really been a pleasure to watch all year I just love the way he carries himself on the ice too you could tell he has the respect of his teammates of his veteran teammates uh, and he's earned it by playing that responsible two-way game and by being as reliable as he has been and man he just has a knack for finding those little spots on the ice. And that's sort of the sort of thing you can't coach. You know, you can't, like, Wayne Gretzky can never go tell the Coyotes when he was coaching them, like, just be like me. Just do what I did, right? It doesn't work that (laughs) way. You can't just tell a guy, have great hockey sense or develop it. You either have it or you don't. And I think um, Alex Dabrinkit's hockey sense is just off the the charts. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think you brought up a great – kind of comparison there with Wayne Gretzky kind of struggling to you know coach a team at times because not everybody sees the game that way not everybody is able to kind of think two three steps ahead I mean you even saw it in the game last night against Florida you saw Alex DeBrincat not only being able to kind of diagnose a play on the fly but you also saw him have the ability to execute that play once he got the opportunity 
gets the puck from Jordan Osterley in the neutral zone. Instead of trying to carry it to the blue line, like a lot of rookies would try to do to try to blaze in toward the net, he waits patiently, waits for Brandon Saad to get open at the blue line, hits him with the pass, ultimately results in Jonathan Taves' goal. It's those kinds of little things, the little smart moves that Alex DeBrinkett makes and we've been pointing out over and over again all season long, and it's been so fantastic to see him be able to kind of develop at this rate. And I know there's going to be a lot of concerns moving forward. I mentioned last night, is he going to be able to withstand the rigors of an 82-game season? He's never done that before. It's a really hard thing in the NHL to do, especially for a guy of his size, just to kind of absorb a season's worth of hits and to keep trucking, to keep using speed to your advantage, all that stuff. All of those questions are going to be answered when we get start getting to game 50 and to game 60. But right now, the way he has developed and the speed with which he has developed, you got to give him all the credit in the world for being able to adjust to the NHL game and to kind of showcase that skill and that ingenuity and that intelligence as quickly as he has. It's been an amazing maturation process, and it's been a really cool thing to kind of get to watch a guy be at top level so quickly and so early in his NHL career. All right, well, that's going to lead us into our first time out of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Uh, coming up next, we're going to discuss the injury to Cody Franzen, the recall of Billy Polka, and what that means for the future of Michael Kepney on the Blackhawks. But before we take a timeout, I want to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. They are the best place to go in the area to get your NHL jerseys lettered, numbered, ha- making you look right out there on the ice. But If you also have a team, a beer and pizza league team, softball team, whatever, that needs jerseys of their own, Triple Threat will also hook you up with the best-looking stuff with that as well. They'll help you design the logo. They'll help you design uh, the fit, the the cut, the look of the uniform. Everything that you would need to develop a uniform for your team, Triple Threat Sports can help you do it. So check them out, triplethreatsports.com, or email chris at triplethreatsports.com. That's 708-478-60907. 08-478-6090, Chris at TripleThreatSports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be right back on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've been waxing poetic about how amazing Alex DeBrinkit is and how great Jonathan Taves looked last night. But before we go any further, I got to host my first solo podcast last night. I felt like I did a really nice job. I rarely listen to the podcast all the way through after I do it. I did last night. I liked what I heard, except for one little crucial detail, and I have to apologize to the listeners of this show. I, in my excitement and my zeal to get that first podcast out, completely ignored the fact that Jan Ruda left last night's game with an injury. Completely didn't mention it. Been a critical player for the Blackhawks all season long. Been super impressed by him all year. Completely just left out the fact that he suffered an upper body injury and looked like he banged his head against the glass last night. So I want to apologize to all you guys for not bringing that up. Hopefully you didn't like hear about it later and go, well, why the hell didn't James mention it? My bad, guys. My fr- It was my first time doing things by myself. My brain doesn't work sometimes. Whatever excuse you want to let me use, I'm going to use it and... I'm going to use this to go ahead and transition into some more injury talk because, for those of you that did not see, Cody Franson got placed on injured reserve today, and Ville Polka 
has been called up by the Blackhawks and could potentially be making his NHL debut at some point in the near future. And that is what we're going to talk about in this second segment. Jay, how excited are you to see Ville Polka in an NHL uniform? I mean, I'm not really. <laughs> like, I, I guess it's something interesting to keep an eye on in the next game. I feel like he's been in a system for 75 years. He's been the next defenseman, you know, sort of on the horizon to come up. But then Jan Ruda and Michael Kempney and guys like that have sort of leapfrogged him as the organization has brought those guys in. They're clearly not very excited about Vili Poca, so I don't know really why I am. I'm interested to see what he's going to bring and finally see him make his NHL debut. And maybe he's one of those rare players that excels in NHL and doesn't blow anyone's socks off in the AHL. Andrew Shaw was one of those guys that didn't put up big numbers in the AHL but came to the big league and, and actually was better here. Um, but defensemen are different. Um, I don't know. I'll, it'll be something I watch, something I keep an eye on, but I think excitement is not the right word. Maybe more curiosity than excitement. Yeah, and I think it's especially interesting now because obviously he's only up because Cody Franzen got injured and there's a lot of uncertainty right now about whether or not Jan Ruda is going to be able to play against Winnipeg tomorrow night. The thing I'm most interested by, though, is the way that Joel Quenville has so quickly and so thoroughly embraced Jordan Osterley being in the lineup the last two games. He immediately put him on that top pairing with Duncan Keith. He immediately started giving him all sorts of kind of rough assignments to go with early on. And it's so interesting to me that he's like got that much faith in a guy that he literally healthy scratched for almost an entire month and now all of a sudden he's with Duncan Keith and he's playing a bunch of minutes and you had mentioned I believe the other night he led the team in even strength playing time and it's just like it's so unbelievable to me watching Jordan Osterley go from a healthy scratch to that and then I look at Ville Polka and I go there's no way that lightning strikes twice in that regard right I mean there's just there's no way a I'm not even sure Joel Quenville puts him in the lineup tomorrow night like, I, I think he might end up being the seventh defenseman. I think he might end up sitting behind Michael Kempney. But at the same time, would you really call him up not to play him? I feel like he's going to get an opportunity to get on the ice, and Joel Quinville is going to hope that he can play kind of a two-way game similar to the way Gustav Forsling has kind of been trending lately where made some good plays defensively but still has that aggressiveness offensively. Maybe that's what they envision. But I highly doubt you bring that guy up and then not play him. I feel like the entire idea here is that you've wanted him playing every day in Rockford. And so with the call-up, I'd imagine he's going to get a chance to play. The only question I have is how much and what role is he going to fill? Oh, you're right about that. And the Hawks are – it's pretty typical. When they call someone up, they're playing. You know, that's just sort of how they run things. I don't really know why. They do that, but it seems to be their way. They they get a guy up there excited to see him, I guess. They want to get him out there. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm interested, too. Like, who's who will sit if he does play? I mean, maybe that means Ruda's not, um, you know, maybe not, not going to play next game either. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting. And, and I really – I have no idea what to expect from Billy Polka. I really don't. Is he going to come up here and be sort of shell-shocked and – you know, uh, knowing that this could be his last chance to show the organization that he belongs on this team. 
that's going to play a role for a guy. You know, you and I talk about the humanity of these players all the time. And if you're, you know, if you're Vili Polka and you've been the next man to come up year after year after year and it just hasn't happened, you keep getting jumped over by these European defensemen, it's got to be in the back of your head like, okay, I'm finally getting my chance. I have to make an impression. But when you, if he's, if he's not playing his game, then he's going to make mistakes and he's not going to be himself. The other thing is, I don't really know what his game is. And the times I've seen him play, be it the few Rockford games I take in every now and again, or when he was up here in the preseason, I don't really know what to make of him. He wasn't great. He wasn't bad. He's just sort of there. And, you know, Jordan Osterley, like you said, has come in and has played top pairing minutes yesterday playing on the top pairing and he's hasn't looked shy he's he's made the best of the opportunity he's gotten he's come in he's been aggressive a little too aggressive sometimes for my liking but he's been aggressive and he's made a difference I'm very curious to see how Vili Polka is going to respond playing in his first NHL game knowing again like I said this could be his last real chance his last real stint with the big club uh, yeah, I think there is something to be said for that. I feel like there's kind of the, you know, you've got a burr under your saddle. You're looking to really prove yourself like, hey, you guys keep passing me over. I'm going to show you why that's wrong. There is also another part of me, and correct me if I'm obviously way off base here. Is there any possibility that like 30-ish games into the season, we're right about that point right now. Is there any possibility, is there any way that the Blackhawks are simply calling him up and giving him a game or, do, game or two to audition him for other teams going toward the trade deadline? Do you think that that's at all in the back of Stan Bowman's mind and making this call up as opposed to bringing up a guy like Victor Svedberg or Eric Gustafson who's a little bit more of a proven NHL commodity? Yeah, I think that could be part of it. I think sometimes that fans and, and guys like us can make a little too much of that. Um, but, hey, it, it certainly can't hurt. And now that Ruda has become, even though he's hurt, now that Ruda has become, you know, a number three, number four defenseman that you really trust. Uh, and, you know, you've seen Gustav Forsling. He's recently he's taken that next step to his career. Those mistakes are still there. Um, but I was texting with uh, one of my buddies about this the other day. And if you guys were around when Duncan Keith was making his NHL debut, and I'm not saying Gustav Forsling is Duncan Keith. So don't don't quote me on that. It's not what I'm saying. But Duncan Key's first year or two is... Well, the organization has already compared him to Nick Lidstrom. So. Yeah, I know. They did that with Nicholas Jalmerson, too. But I'm saying, though, like, Duncan Key's first few years were kind of a disaster. Like, he made a lot of mistakes. There was a lot of, uh, you know, dangerous plays made that he could sometimes recover from with his speed. But there was a large learning curve with Duncan Keith when he came to the NHL. And I think Vili Polka at this stage in his career is a little bit ahead of where Duncan Keith was at this stage in his career. That being said, Forsling's on a better team with less responsibility, yada, yada, yada. And I do think Duncan Keith, even when he was struggling, had a much higher ceiling. My point is, and I'm saying it in a long and boring fashion, my point is that defensemen take a long time to develop. And what I've seen from Gustav Forsling here so far has been pretty encouraging. 
And I think that in two years, in three years, he's going to be a number two, number three legit defenseman in his league. Yeah, and he's going to be getting paid by somebody else more than likely because they've got so many freaking contracts on the books. That kind of came up again last night. I got a uh, question on the postgame show about whether or not the Blackhawks would be willing to trade assets to get Wayne Simmons. And all I could think of was, yeah, he's got a real cheap contract now. But if he gets any type of a raise at all, the Blackhawks aren't going to be able to afford him. And so I always look at guys like Ville Poca, who are eventually going to become free agents in this league. And they're going to, you know, potentially command some money from teams. And I just look at it as an opportunity to go, look, we only have, you know, X number of roster spots that we can give to veteran players. And if we can audition a guy and get him some NHL minutes and showcase what he's got, Maybe we can get some value for him before we have to kind of cut bait with him because we're not going to be able to afford him and to keep him around, you know, at a cheap deal. That, to me, is always in the back of my mind, especially with the Blackhawks, because of that high turnover of those lower-tier roster guys. Like, you've got so many big money-laden contracts, you have to be very judicious in who you keep and who you get rid of, so... That's definitely something I always think about with guys like Ville Polka, and I'm very interested to see the way the Blackhawks end up using him. I can envision him probably getting a lot of, you know, offensive zone starts, and Quenville's really going to want him to be as aggressive as possible with his scoring ability, and I, I don't see him getting a lot of really tough assignments. I just really think they're going to want to try to showcase his strengths and kind of try to stay away from his weaknesses. Well, that, that's a smart thing to do, especially in a guy's NHL debut. We'll see. I, I'm, you know, uh, I'm curious. I'm very curious to see what Billy Polk is going to bring. Um, you know, the, the more the better. The more organizational depth you can show, the better. And who knows, if he does show something, then maybe you can move someone like Michael Kempney or something at the deadline. But you mentioned, like, bringing in a guy like Wayne Simmons. I think from for now until the pretty distant future, the Hawks are going to be renting. They're not going to be bringing in any big name, long term sort of things, yeah, like a lot of things, like, like the Andrew Ladd thing and and moves like that, where it's a definite help for one, you know, the end of the season in the playoffs. Look for those more than guys who are locked in long term, because like you said, they're not going to give up a ton of assets to get a guy they're just going to lose right away. Brandon Sod's a different deal. Anyway, traded Artemi Panarin to get Brandon Sod, so it was one core guy for another, but um long-term expensive veteran established players are not going to be added to this team without a major piece going and that means Taves, Kane, Seabrook or Keith and I think they'd never trade Taves or Kane they'd never trade Keith and I don't think they could trade Brent Seabrook if they wanted to well that pretty much doesn't leave anybody other than Corey Crawford so I'm guessing that uh, Wayne Simmons just isn't gonna happen boy I'd love it if it did though I love Wayne Simmons I know you do, but He's so good. <laughs> he's just perfect. Like, he's a perfect Speaking power of forward. good, you want to tell our listeners about... <laughs> I was going to say, you should uh, tell our listeners about Marishka's if we're going to start talking about good stuff. Oh, well, that's Woo. a beautiful set. Look at you. One show by yourself and you've got the segues down. I'm just going to leave. I'm done. Go ahead. You do the rest. No, Marishka's <laughs> is one of our favorite places. Family owned and operated since 1933. The Zadralovich family has cared for the place for nearly a century. Not, not quite a century, but almost a century. Uh, they're famous for their poor boy. If you've ever heard of anyone going to Marishka's, I'm sure they told you about the poor boy sandwich. 
Uh, but everything there is good. The burgers, the chops, the seafood, the Icelandic cod, hand cut on premises. Everything there is awesome. You'll love it. I say this every episode, but if you live within 20, 30 miles of Mariska's, you owe it to yourself to go there once. People will go downtown for great cuisine, you know, all the time. They'll make a day of it. Do the same thing out in Crest Hill at Mariska's. You will uh, love it. It's awesome. I promise. So go check them out at Mariska's.com or Facebook.com slash Mariska's. That's M-E-R-I-C-H. K-A-S, close only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So plenty of chances to go. It's beautifully decorated during the holidays, so get out to Marishka's. We will be right back with more hockey frivolity and your emails on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is Jay Zawoski, and I'm here with James Naveau. We are having some technical difficulties. Hopefully you guys aren't noticing um, but we're going to move on to the emails and then wrap things up. But first, I want to tell you guys about an event I have on Friday, the first Budweiser on the glass of the season. This Friday, December 15th at 730 with Hawks defenseman Jan Ruda. Come out and see me and Jan at the Old Town Pub, 201 West State Street in Geneva. Again, I'll be there from 730 to 9 with Jan Ruda for a Q&A and an autograph session. But with that, let's begin the email segment. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Check out chuckscafe.com. The best in Cajun, the best in Mexican, the best in barbecue, the best in American pub fare. A tremendous craft beer selection. A great bar, great live music, tons of TVs, anything you'd want in an eating establishment, Chuck's has it for you. So make sure you head on over to chuckscafe.com, check out their specials, check out their locations, and visit them. You will not be disappointed. All right, on to the emails. James, are you ready, my friend? I am definitely ready, my friend. All right, first email comes from Alex Keller, one of our guys. He says, I just listened to your episode from December 4th in which Jay acknowledged that he harbored some serious hate for Chris Chelios. I understand why Hawks fans are not, are not exactly welcoming of Chelly, but as someone born in the mid-90s, I'm not sure I have a full grasp of it. Is he the Blackhawks player that has most portrayed your trust throughout your fandom? If not, who are some other candidates? I think the thing with me with Chelios is um, he went to Detroit and just took a lot of pleasure and rubbing that in Hawks fans' faces. Uh, He would always bring his Stanley Cups to Wrigley Field. The one that really got me, though, was there was a picture of the 75th anniversary Blackhawks team. All the legends were out there on the ice. It was a great moment, and Chris Chelios refused to put the Hawks jersey on. So in this tremendous photo of Blackhawks legends throughout history, Makita, Hull, everybody out there, there's Chris Chelios in his friggin' Red Wings jersey, forever sullying the photo of the 75th anniversary team. It was brutal. <laughs> and that's why, mainly, why I hate Chris Chelios. I mean, yeah, you pretty much artfully put it uh, the best way possible. There's not really a whole lot I can add to it. I do not share your complete and utter disdain for Chris Chelios, but he's definitely not one of my favorites. So... 
I could basically just kick back and listen to you complain about Chris Chelios for an entire podcast, but I get the sense that our listeners probably would get a little bit bored by that. Probably, since most of them don't remember Chris Chelios' career. It's a safe prediction. Speaking of which, oh, oh yeah, I should bring this up just really quick because we're talking about uh, the generation kind of not remembering the Blackhawks of old. They did a poll last night on the Blackhawks broadcast. I don't know if you saw this, the greatest Blackhawk in history. And Patrick Kane ended up winning the voting over Makita and Hull and all those guys. And all I could think of as I sat there watching it was, good God, is every Blackhawks fan like 15 years old? Is this like a new thing? Because it was unreal to me that one of the greatest players in NHL history was getting beat by Patrick Kane. And admittedly, Patrick Kane has had a fantastic career and has three Stanley Cups. And it was hilarious listening to Jamal Mayers and Brian Campbell try to justify why Patrick Kane is in that conversation. And I was just like, it's Stan Makita, dude. Like, there's no justifying it. He's the greatest Blackhawk of all time. Next question. It was just, it was hilarious. And it definitely reminds me of what you were talking about with people not really knowing who Chris Chelios is and why you hate him so very, very much. Well, when it's all said and done, he might be the best Hawk ever, but right now he's not. He's got a long way to go before he gets in Stamakita territory. All right, next email we have here comes from Tim Shinnick. Hello, Tim. He says, in this time of roster concern, I propose a hindsight review of some roster decisions that got us where we are, some good and some bad. What rating do you give these couple? Now, Tim, I looked ahead at this email, and it's very hard to just say, is Connor Murphy for Nicholas Jalmerson, for example, a good trade? No, of course it's not. But there's extenuating circumstances to all these things. So you have to look at them, you know, big picture. So it's kind of hard to just go one for one and grade them based on just on paper. So the first one he says is Jalmerson instead of Niemi. That was a great decision. Getting rid of Tavo Teravainen for taking the Bickle contract. It hurt, but it's what had to happen. They had to do it to get rid of Brian Bickle's contract. Nick Letty for Billy Polka. That's another situation where they weren't going to be able to resign Nick Letty, so they had to get something for him. The Crawford, Taves, and Kane extensions, I stand by. They were the right things to do at the time they did them, and I still think over time they will prove to be worth it. Sharp and Stephen Johns for Trevor Daly and Ryan Garbutt. Again, that's a salary dump. That's not trying to... A compete it's not trying to make yourself a better team it's getting rid of salary they didn't want to do it they had to oh do you for mark mcneil okay whatever i don't think mark mcneil is much of anything not worried about that sod for panarin i still like i know panarin's doing great in columbus he's a very good offensive player i want brandon saw when the playoffs roll around if they do and then jalmerson for murphy um so far not so good uh but jalmerson is struggling in arizona connor murphy is improving in chicago and, uh, you know, the value of Jalmerson was going to probably cut in half after uh, this season ends. So uh, it's not so simple as just saying, was this a good trade or not? You got to look into a lot of things about it before you can get to that point. I agree with your takes on a lot of these trades. I would also agree with you that Connor Murphy is kind of improving as Nick Jalmerson has had a difficult time staying on the ice. And I think the thing that I want to add to it is especially with the sod Panarin trade, everybody is pointing out how many points Panarin has and how he's been an offensive dynamo and yada, yada. I believe it was Satchel price the other day made an excellent point 
when he said that a lot of Panarin's success this season has come on the power play. And if you look at what the guys are doing at five on five, they're virtually identical. So basically what you have to do is you have to make the decision, would you rather have Artemi Panarin on the power play or would you rather have Brandon Saad's defense at even strength and on the penalty kill? And I think right now, if I'm being completely honest, I would rather have Artemi Panarin on the power play because the Blackhawks power play has been so unwatchable that it's made me want to slice my own head off and bury it somewhere rather than continue to watch the nonsense that we've seen. However, however, that's probably going to change, like you said, once April and May hopefully roll around because defense plays such a bigger role at that time of season that Brandon Saad's abilities on that end of the ice are going to end up being superior to what Artemi Panarin would be able to do in the power play come playoff time. And then when you look at even strength numbers being a wash, I think then you see Brandon Saad probably being the better option long-term and overall than Artemi Panarin. Uh, I sort of agree with you on that, and and I still like the trade. I still think it was the right thing to do. But what they are missing more of is the offense, and what they're missing more of is the uh, power play uh, adeptitude. That's not a word. (laughs) You know what I mean, though. Uh, but we say that now because Sod is here, and they have been better defensively, and blah 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 blah. So it's kind of like if Panarin was here and they were getting lit up every night, you'd say, "Man, it sure be nice to have a guy instead of Panarin that could play some D." So it's you know, it's very hard to just say who'd you rather have. I'm still a Brandon Sod guy. He's younger. He's cheaper. Uh, I like him better as a playoff performer. He's proven in that category, and that's truly what matters. Uh, I'm not dogging Panarin. Panarin's a great player, but I liked the trade when they made it, and I still like it now. Fair enough. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. James, you have a card to award. We only had a couple emails. We're going to cut them short today because of our technical issues, uh, but we will get them all uh, addressed on a later podcast. Uh, So of the ones we had, which one did you like the best? I I have a beauty card to hand out here. Well, I definitely think that kind of the – asking to evaluate the different trades and kind of being forced to think critically not only of the players that were involved but also the circumstances that were involved i think we're going to go ahead and go uh with that email unfortunately the technical difficulties did preclude me from hearing the name and as we know i've been doing a lot better with that so i'm blaming technology for not remembering the name of the awesome emailer that sent in that uh email that really created a lot of discussion and a lot of uh really fun for me i always enjoy talking about stuff like that all right i will find who that was because i put it away <laughs> uh tim shinnick is the proud owner there we go of a upper deck collector's choice theo flurry card now the beauty part of this card is it's a scotty bowman's winning formula card so on the back is a scouting report from scotty bowman on theo flurry he says other players may be taller than theo but no one can match his fierce competitiveness and confidence. He continues to defy logic with his rough-and-tumble style and strength in the corners. He's not afraid to get hit and even more inclined to give some back. Tenacious, crafty, and blessed with a perfect hockey attitude, Theo is a pain to coach against but a joy to watch. That's a cool card. I like that one. <laughs> awesome, dude. So congratulations. Thanks for the great email. We'll get that out to you as, lo- as well as a free breakfast at Chuck's. But until next time, James will talk to you tomorrow night because I'm going to Star Wars. I could do it when I get home. I'm willing to do that. Or do you want to tackle it solo? It's up to you. You know what? I think 
I guess we can let the listeners kind of decide on that one. I'd be totally willing to do a podcast by myself again tomorrow night. We'll we'll discuss that off air, assuming that we can hear each other. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE to check out to save. And don't forget about our Wolves event, January 20th. It's almost sold out, so jump in now. Now, 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 now. Check out twitter.com slash madhouse pod look at that pinned tweet right there on top all the info will be there it will also be in the description of this podcast we hope to see all you guys out there it is selling out very quickly so jump on it now until next time this has been the madhouse chicago hockey podcast Hot flashes, irritability, intimate dryness, even unsatisfying sex. Hi, I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck, a board-certified OBGYN who has spent over 20 years helping women just like you safely find relief from these very natural symptoms without having to resort to hormones. To help my patients feel their best, I recommend products from Bonafide Health. Bonafide is a women's health company dedicated to providing women with non-hormonal and clinically validated products that work. Bonafide provides safe and effective solutions to manage a range of menopausal, sexual health, and PMS-related symptoms. That's why I recommend Bonafide products to my patients every day. In fact, I am also a Bonafide medical advisor. What I like most is that Bonafide products provide women real relief without compromise. Ladies, don't waste another minute feeling less than your best. Go to HelloBonafide.com and use code RADIO39 to save 20%. That's HelloBonafide.com and code RADIO39. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Offer valid on subscription only. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. Poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Touch-free QR code payments. Shop safe with PayPal.